Well, this afternoon we're going to be looking at what the church confesses in Lord's Day 20 about the work of the Holy Spirit. And so as we prepare for that, I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles and read with me, first of all, a passage from the Old Testament from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37. This prophecy clearly shows the work of the Spirit. Ezekiel is somewhere in the middle of the Bible after the book of Lamentations. Ezekiel 37, we'll read verses 1 to 14. This is a vision of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37, The hand of the Lord came upon me, that's Ezekiel, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live, then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, and cause you to come up from your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. That's all from Ezekiel. I'd like to turn also to the New Testament, to the Gospel of John. John chapter 14. Jesus foretells of the time when the Holy Spirit will come. John 14 verse 15 to 26. John 14, verse 15. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. He says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. 
a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So far the reading of God's holy word. Let's also read from the Belgic Confession. Belgic Confession, Article 11. You can find that in your book of praise on page 503. And there we read about the Holy Spirit, true and eternal God. We believe and confess also that the Holy Spirit from eternity proceeds from the Father and the Son. He is neither made, created, nor begotten, but He can only be said to proceed from both. In order, he is the third person of the Holy Trinity, of one and the same essence, majesty, and glory with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God, as the Holy Scriptures teach us. And finally, let's turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 20. It's going to be our focus for this afternoon. been going through the catechism as it's been explaining the Apostles' Creed, and the Apostles' Creed has explained the work of the Father, has explained the work of the Son, and now we have get to the section on the Holy Spirit. Lord's Day 20, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, He is together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, He is also given to me to make me, by true faith, share in Christ and all His benefits, to comfort me, and to remain with me forever. Well, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe you noticed as we were reading through Lord's Day 20 that this is the only Lord's Day about the Holy Spirit, one out of 52 Lord's Days on on the work of the Holy Spirit. And maybe that seems strange to you, because the Holy Spirit is God. He he does really important work. We confess that the Holy Spirit is is a, a member of the Trinity. And don't we all need to pray for the Holy Spirit to work in us every day? The Holy Spirit is is an important member of the Trinity, but there's only one Lord's Day about him. Well, let's approach it from a, from a slightly different angle. If I was to ask the boys and girls here how many times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Catechism, 
How many times would you guess? Out of the whole catechism, how many times do you think it mentions the Holy Spirit? Well, I did this exercise with a catechism class and there was a big range of responses. Some thought maybe two times and some thought 200 times. So there was a big range. But I wonder if if I was to ask you this afternoon, how many times do you think the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the catechism? What would you say? Well, in fact, although there's only one Lord's Day on the Holy Spirit, in fact, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 36 times in the catechism. 36 times and in 31 out of 52 Lord's Days. And so we can see that actually, even though there's only one Lord's Day dedicated to the work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is, does have an important role in the catechism. We could take that one step further and say that the whole structure of the catechism is actually built around the work of the Holy Spirit. Boys and girls, maybe you remember the three parts of the catechism from your catechism classes. The first part of the catechism is about our sin and misery. Well, how do we know about our sin and misery? It's because the Holy Spirit works in us to convict us of our sin. What about the second part of the catechism, our deliverance? How do we know that we're delivered from our sin and misery? How do we believe in Jesus for our deliverance? Well, the Spirit is the one who works faith in us, faith in Jesus. And then the third part of the catechism, our thankfulness. How do we live this life of thankfulness? We only live this life of thankfulness through the Spirit working in us. And so we can see that the work of the Holy Spirit is actually centered around the structure. It's built into the very structure of the catechism. And this afternoon, as we dig into what the Bible teaches us about the work of the Holy Spirit, we'll see that the Spirit has a very important role, especially in working faith in our lives. And so this afternoon, we'll use Lord's Day 20 as our guide, and and we're going to do so with this title, I believe that the Holy Spirit works faith in my heart. I believe that the Spirit works faith in my heart. First of all, we'll look at who the Spirit is. So who is the Spirit? Well, when you meet someone, one of the first things you ask them is, what's your name? And so one of the things we can do this afternoon is look at the names given to the Holy Spirit. In, in the original languages, the, the word given, translated as spirit, could also be translated as breath or wind. And breath and wind, these are life-giving things. And that just like br- breath and wind, the Spirit breathes new life. He's like breath and He blows new life into us like the wind. Let's just think through the function of wind in the Bible. In Genesis 8 verse 1, after the flood, God sent a wind to dry up the face of the earth. This was the beginning of a new life for Noah. In a similar way, after the, when the Israelites went through the Red Sea in the Exodus, God sent the wind to dry up a path in the Red Sea so that the Israelites could go through this path and enter new life. So this, the wind is connected to working life. And so it's no surprise then when on Pentecost... One of the sounds was like a mighty rushing wind. Wind brings life. And just like that, the Holy Spirit also blows life into us. And further, we can't see the wind. And in a similar way, we can't see the Spirit. John 3, 8 says that the the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You know, many of you saw pictures from the tornadoes that came through here recently. They came quite close, actually, to many of us. 
pictures of devastation. And you couldn't see the wind as it was furiously attacking those, that house in, in Chatsworth, but you could certainly see the results of the powerful wind. The damage left behind, it shows the power of the wind, even though you cannot see it. Now, the Spirit doesn't destroy things like a tornado, but He does work radical change. You cannot see Him, but He works powerfully. And we can see Him working, for example, in young people when they want to profess their faith. Maybe it's the result of slowly working in their lives for, for the rest of for their whole life. And it's such, such a beautiful thing that we can, we can see that happening tomorrow night when young people want to, want to profess their faith and they're going to have a meeting with the elders tomorrow night. We can see that the Spirit is working. He is the one to produce this work, this change. And so the Spirit, just like the wind, works life, even though we cannot see Him. The Spirit is also like breath. We saw this especially in Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel had a, a vision in a valley. And in that valley, there were lots of bones, and the bones were very dry. Could these bones live? Well, certainly not by human standards. But God says that he would send breath, or he would send spirit to enter them, and then they would live. And then we read in verse 9 to 10 that God said to Ezekiel, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and enter the slain, that they may live. So Ezekiel prophesied, and the breath came into them, and then they lived and stood on their feet, and it was a massive army. This is the, the power of God. By His Spirit, He brings life. Well, how is a spirit able to work new life? Well, the Bible teaches us that the Spirit is God, just like the Father and just like the Son. He's called God with His name. Genesis 1-2, we read that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And in Acts chapter 5, when Ananias, perhaps you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira, when they came to Peter and they said they'd sold their lands for this much. Remember what Peter said to Ananias? Peter said, Ananias, you have not lied to men, but you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. So the Holy Spirit is called God. And further in 1 Corinthians 3.16, believers, we are called temples of the Holy Spirit. You and me, you're, we are all temples of the Holy Spirit. Well, if you think about the temple in the Old Testament, the temple was a very special place because that was where God lived. God lived in the temple. And so if our hearts are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that means that God lives there. The divine presence of the Holy Spirit is in our hearts. So the fact that our hearts are a temple, that they're being transformed by God's Spirit, it powerfully shows that the Spirit is divine. He is God. So the Spirit is, is called God. Well, how else would we know that the Spirit is God? Well, we'd also know if, if He had divine characteristics or divine attributes, things that only God has. For example, if the Spirit was everywhere, we sang from Psalm 139, which says, Where shall I go from your Spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. So if you're on a busy job site, or if you're working from home, the Spirit is there. If you're in the hospital or sick, the Spirit is there. 
if you're camping on a lake, if you're walking on a trail, if you're doing something on your smartphone, the Spirit is there as well. God's Spirit is right here today, this afternoon. God's Spirit is everywhere. So the Spirit is everywhere. That's one thing that shows Him that He is God. Another thing is that the Spirit knows everything. He knows everything. Isaiah 40, 30, 13. Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord or what man has shown Him counsel? The Spirit of the Lord knows the 200 things on your to-do list for tomorrow. He knows what's on your mind as you're trying to go to sleep. He knows where your mind might be wandering right now when you start to lose focus. The Spirit knows the joys. He knows the pains. And He knows what's going to happen tomorrow, next month, next year. The Spirit knows everything. And so the Spirit is everywhere, omnipresent. He knows everything. He's omniscient. These things can only be said about God. And further, we'd also know that the Spirit is God if He does things that only God can do. We're going to be looking a bit more at what the Spirit does in the second point. But as a couple of examples, the Bible teaches us that the Spirit was involved in creating the world. Only God can make something out of nothing. The Bible also tells us that the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8. Only God can do such things. Well, finally, we would know that the Spirit is God if He is honored as God. And we see that the Bible honors Him equally with the Father and with the Son. Jesus commanded, for example, that His disciples baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is given equal honor to the Father and the Son. And every afternoon, as, as we hear the blessing, we often hear it from 2 Corinthians 13, where it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so we see that the, the Bible gives divine honor to the Holy Spirit. He's treated equally with the Father and with the Son. So we take all these things together. The Spirit has divine attributes. He does divine works and He has divine honor. Conclusion. The Spirit is unmistakably God. Well, brothers and sisters, we need to confess this and we need to believe this. We need to believe it, first of all, because this is what the Bible teaches us. But we also need to believe it because it means that His work is invincible. As the Spirit of God, He's able to work faith. He's, because He is God, His work is sovereign. He breaks into the hardest of hearts. And people can resist the Spirit for a time, but... Yes, but ultimately the Spirit will win. He is invincible. He's able to work life where there is no life. He's able to show grace in the most unexpected places, as we heard this morning about the widow in Zarephath. And we can also confess that He's able to change my heart. He's able to change my heart and yours. He's able to change my heart of stone and make it into a heart of flesh. So when we confess, brothers and sisters, that we believe in the Holy Spirit... We first of all confess that He is a divine person. He is God. So what does the Spirit do? Well, what the Spirit does is, is very personal. Maybe you noticed in the Catechism how many times He uses the word me. 
In the second, he is given to me to make me by true faith share in Christ, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. That's four times in, in only one sentence. The Spirit is, is given to me personally. So the work of the Spirit is, is personal. Well, what does the Spirit do in us? It's easy to say that the Spirit lives in our hearts, but what is He doing there? Well, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts. He changes my heart and He changes my mind so that I say, I believe that Jesus has died for my sin. You know, if you were to just look at the person next to you right now and to say, I believe that the Spirit died for my sin, that would be the Spirit working there right now to enable you to say that. The Spirit is the one who works in you to believe in Jesus. The Catechism says it like this, that the Spirit makes me share in Christ and all His benefits. It's been said that the, that the Holy Spirit has a spotlight ministry. If you think about a spotlight on a stage, it, it shines right down on the speaker or the actor or the person, the musician or whatever it is. But the Holy Spirit is shining the spotlight on Jesus. This is exactly what this Jesus said the Spirit will do. John 15, Jesus said the Spirit would come and He would bear witness about Jesus. And you know, if you look at the, what happened at Pentecost, this is exactly what happened. Because the Spirit came and, and was filled with the disciples. And Peter, remember what Peter did? He preached Christ. Because when the Holy Spirit works new life in a person, this person says, I believe in Jesus. They don't say, I have the Holy Spirit, but they say, I know the Son of God. This is because the Spirit shines the spotlight on Jesus. He makes us look in faith to Him. We could also think of the Holy Spirit as the glue which joins us to Jesus. Because as believers, we are joined to Christ. The Bible has lots of different images to show this union. It talks about the church as a body and Christ as a head. Or about Christ as a vine of which we are the branches. All of these images show that we are connected to Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the one who connects us to the head, to the vine. He is the person binding us to Christ. So when the Holy Spirit works faith in us, we're joined to Christ just like glue holds two pieces of wood together. And so the Bible says, for example, in Ephesians 1, that we are in Christ you just read through Ephesians 1, you'll notice how many times it uses this expression, in Christ. This becomes our new identity. We no longer wear the, the filthy rags of our own attempt at obedience to God, but now we wear the pure robes of our righteous and sinless Savior. And this unity with Christ, our state of being in Christ, that's worked by the Spirit when He works faith in us. And so the Catechism explains that we share in Christ. And it also adds that we also share in His benefits. What are the benefits of Christ? Well, maybe you've been here in Owen Sound in the last few weeks, and, and we've just been going through the previous Lord's Days, which have all been explaining the, the benefits of Christ. Often the Catechism asks this question, what benefit do you receive? In Lord's Day 14, we saw that when Jesus was born as a as sinless Savior, that wonderful mystery that we saw, it means that His sinless life can be credited to us. 
We saw the benefit of Jesus' death in Lord's Day 15, that Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath for us. We saw the benefits of his resurrection in Lord's Day 17, that Jesus has conquered death to give us new life, and also to give us the certainty of eternal life with him. We saw in Lord's Day 18 and 19 that Jesus is now in heaven, and that he has ascended into heaven. He sits at the Father's right hand, and he rules from there, and he rules for the benefit of his church. He's using his power to defend and gather his church and to give gifts. All of these are the benefits of Christ. And the Spirit makes us to share in all these things when he works faith in our hearts. Praise the Lord for his Spirit. It's a little bit like belonging to a royal family. Imagine, boys and girls, that you were born as a prince or a princess. Then you'd be treated with honor. You'd be given a good education and many other good things, benefits, just because you're belonging to a royal family. And you'd also have the promise that one day you would become the next king. You would become the next queen. You have a great future to look forward to. Well, as believers, we've been adopted by God into his royal family. And since we're adopted, we share in all the family treasures of our heavenly king. And we can have a foretaste of these now as the spirit works in us. But we also have a glorious future waiting for us. We get to share in all of these benefits because the spirit unites us to Christ. Well, maybe it all sounds too good to be true. But the Bible tells us that the Spirit also works in us a confirmation of all these things. Works in us a confirmation that we're united to Christ, that we get to share in all these heavenly treasures. And just like if you were adopted, there would be adoption papers which would give confirmation of that adoption. And so the Spirit is like adoption papers who confirms our adoption. Ephesians 1.13 in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So the Spirit is already working in us now as a seal that we, we will share in all of these heavenly treasures. And we know that because he's working in us now, he always will work in us forever. As we read in Lord's Day 1, by His Holy Spirit, He assures me of eternal life. It's a great comfort to confess that, isn't it? That the Holy Spirit will remain with me forever. In John 14, 16, it says, I will ask the Father, He will give you another helper, the Spirit of truth, to be with you forever. This is really encouraging for young Christians. If you think about the Christian life, the road ahead, it may seem challenging might seem just like a really long road ahead and you might wonder how you can do it. But we confess the Spirit will remain with me forever. So are you a new believer? Or are you facing challenges in the Christian life? For example, the constant challenge to deny yourself and to love your wife or your kids or your brother or your sister. Do you sometimes just feel like giving up in the struggle against lust or against pride? And just indulging for a few seconds. Well, sometimes we get weary in the Christian life, don't we? The battle seems fierce. But brothers and sisters, this afternoon we can be assured that the Spirit will never leave us. 
Jesus said his spirit would be with us forever. Every day the spirit continues to work in us. He continues to comfort us. He continues to point us to the finished work of Jesus Christ. He continues to shine the spotlight on him. The spirit will remain with me forever. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And by God's grace, we do begin to see the Spirit working in our life. We begin to see the fruits of the Spirit coming out in our life. We find sometimes that we have a divine source of patience that doesn't come from us. We find joy as we study the Scriptures and as we fellowship with believers. The Spirit empowers us to love our kids even when they don't respect us. And yes, we still have a long way to go. But we can be comforted that the Spirit continues to apply the finished work of Jesus into our lives, that we belong to Him. The Spirit's work is part of the completed package of salvation. He will never leave us. And so as the Spirit works in us now, as He continues to work in us, we can look forward to that day when we will be perfect, when our clothes which are cleaned by Jesus' righteousness will be completely unspoiled by sin. And when the foretaste of eternal life that we experience now becomes a reality. When we see Jesus face to face and are joined to him in perfect unity. That's what the Spirit does. The Spirit works faith in us. Let's briefly have a look at how the Spirit works. Because we saw that the Spirit works like a spotlight and shining the spotlight on Jesus. And so then it makes the sense that the Spirit uses the Word of God, which is the revelation about Jesus Christ. The Spirit uses His Word to witness Christ to me, to work faith in Jesus in my heart. This morning we, we saw that the Word of God is true, that it is powerful, that it is life-giving. And this is the instrument this is the tool that the Spirit works to work, uses to work faith in our hearts. And God has given us this awesome gift to show Himself to us. He's shown us who He is in His words. So brothers and sisters, let's delight to use this means. You know, if you want to be healthy, then you want to, you'll have a healthy diet. You'll have a, a wholesome diet. The same is true in our spiritual lives. We strengthen our faith by a healthy diet on God's Word and also by the use of the sacraments. As the Canons of Dort chapter, four, chapter 5 says, that God maintains, continues, perfects His work of grace in us by the hearing and reading of God's Word, by meditation on it, by its exhortations, threats and promises, and He strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul says to the Galatians that if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That the idea of walking alongside, there's a responsibility there for us. That these great promises that the Spirit has given us, promises of sharing in Christ and all of His gifts, all His benefits, that doesn't happen automatically. But we are also called to seek for and to pray for the Holy Spirit. Lord's Day 45 says that God will give His grace and Holy Spirit only to those who constantly ask Him for these gifts and thank Him for them. So we need to ask for the Spirit and we need to be busy with the means that the Spirit uses. And as we do this, brothers and sisters, you know what happens? 
as we're busy in God's word, then the Spirit uses this means to focus our gaze on Jesus. When I feel weak, the Spirit points me to Jesus who has risen from the dead and has victory over sin and the devil. In his victory, I can rejoice and be strong. When I'm afraid, the Spirit points me to Jesus who is always present with his church. He will never leave me or forsake me. I have no need to fear. When I doubt my salvation, the Spirit points me to the cross of Christ where Jesus cried out with a loud voice, It is finished. My salvation doesn't depend on me, but it depends on the finished work of Jesus, my Savior. And so using the word, the Spirit focuses our gaze on Jesus. So we can never separate the work of the Spirit from the word. This is the means that the Spirit uses. And so, friends, as we wrap up this afternoon, we can see that although there's only one Lord's Day dealing with the Holy Spirit, His work is, is very important. The Spirit, as true and eternal God, He works faith in our hearts, and He continues to shine the spotlight on Jesus Christ. He comforts us by assuring us of our identity in Christ, that we are saved by His blood, that we are clothed in His holiness And so let's continue to pray for the Spirit this week, to pray earnestly for the Spirit. And let's praise the Lord for His complete salvation, including the work of the Holy Spirit, who will remain with us forever. Amen.